Well, I thought this was going to be a quiet night, but Christian Ramirez had other things. Welcome along to another live episode of Red Tinted Glasses broadcast on Wednesday evening, the 27th of April. And of course, we will be releasing the audio version of this episode shortly after. Hello to those of you tuning in. Hello to those of you who subscribed after the defeat to Livingston at the weekend, probably fully expecting a meltdown. Well, I think there will be some meltdown in reaction to yet another um, defeat that has dragged us slightly closer to the relegation zone. But also, I think there's going to have to be some reaction to a certain American striker's Twitter account tonight. I mean, yeah, I wasn't expecting We were just sort of hectically trying to prepare uh, for this. I am uh, in, in charge of this one. I've got control of the stream and everything. It's almost guaranteed for a disaster, but it probably can't be as much of a disaster as the game at the weekend. But before we even get into that, Glenn, did you have a good weekend? Let's start on a positive note. Uh, you were away on a stag do in Portugal. Yeah, I mean, I had a good weekend. It was a bit of a shambles at, at time. Um, certainly very drunk and I certainly needed to get drunk on Saturday after seeing the result once once we landed. But if my result, uh, if my weekend wasn't shambolic enough, then Aberdeen certainly more than made up for it. And as, as you said, Calum, you're in charge tonight. Um, of course, if you are watching on YouTube, um, drop us a comment. We will, of course, get those comments shared. Um, similarly, if you're watching on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast, tweet us um, during the show and we'll we'll read out those of you um, that provide us any thoughts. But Calm, as I said, we're going to kind of let you lead the Livingston section. Um, I guess, how, how did Saturday make you feel? Because it was got to be hugely disappointing. Yeah, I feel very apathetic afterwards. I sort of felt that going in. And <laughs> it was a word I didn't know uh, a couple of years ago coming into uh, sort of the pandemic and lockdown. It's nice that I'm very, very uh, familiar with. Um, can I can tell thought, which school you went to then, not Gordon's. It's all very good. <laughs> and it was sort of going into it, I, I just thought, hey, let's just get this over with. I really, really can't be bothered. And then I had a look over to my right at the Livingston fans. There was about... Well, I looked about 50 of them and I thought, Jesus, this just sums everything up. Nobody cares about this. There was no atmosphere uh, about the game at all. Uh, we certainly weren't sharp in any way, shape or form. And, well, we did not come flying out the traps, to say the least. Um, it, it was just very, very poor. But it's probably what I expected, really. And it just I feel like it sums up exactly how our season has gone so far. If you can sum up with one game, that basically <laughs> does it. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's just it's just mental. And I mean, I was traveling during the game. I think I arrived just shy of halftime. I mean, I, I saw that there was the, the team news. No Christian Ramirez. Ojo, I think for me was the surprise. Starting again at, at right back, mm-hmm. and and Jack McKenzie got himself back into the the starting lineup as well. I mean, what was your thoughts when you seen um, the starting lineup, especially the Ramsey and Ramirez situation? I was very, very surprised. Um, I think Ramirez maybe did need it. Uh, Dim Goodwin came out and said, uh, talked about his sort of fitness um, in, in terms of the last three or four weeks. He certainly looked like a man uh, devoid of confidence, a, a man that's, well, he's been relied upon for a lot of the season. 
um, barely had a rest, I suppose, uh, since he, he came in the door too. Um, I was surprised to see him drop out, but at the same time, I suppose in that in that sense, it did make sense. But it did mean, he, even though Ramirez hasn't been on any sort of decent form for a, a while now, we we were lacking even more uh, going forward, which is a bit of a concern. Uh, I thought Calvin Ramsey would come back in uh, after you know he didn't play the game prior, and then we had or well, he didn't start the game prior, and then we had. Um, you know, we we had a weekend off given we are uh, too bad for domestic cup competitions. <laughs> um, I, I, playing Ojo there, it's just he's a utility man. But and whilst Calvin Ramsey's been you know a bit shoddy defensively, and there's no doubt he offers a lot more going forward. Um, I, I was surprised certainly to see uh, uh, him out of the lineup. Um, but it, it was just even then I looked at the lineup and I thought I can't even bother complaining about it and that's not like me yeah I mean admittedly I didn't kind of see the lineup as I said until the game had started but I just felt like doesn't the word apathy I guess that that you used is kind of just summing up the the state of our support where the fact that the most thing getting worked up on is what Christian Ramirez is tweeting in response to a fan um, who, who put up the screenshot of his wife's Instagram story um that's generated more I was just gonna say excitement but controversy maybe on Twitter mm. tonight I mean as I said it's kind of thrown in what we've been doing <laughs> trying to shoddily plan an episode what's new I guess but um pull, pulled something together but I guess when for me when I saw that it was 2-0 and that was when we were bringing on Christian Ramirez I, I was like what, what's even the point how was how did the game kind of pan out, especially in that first half, Callum? Um, how, how did you feel we 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 were playing? Obviously, found ourselves one 0 down at half time, but was that a deserved goal for for Livingston? Did they deserve to take that lead into into the break at half time? Well, I mean, it was just sort of same old, same old. We have a lot of the ball. We create sort of multiple half chances, if if even that, but nothing clear cut. There's nothing, you know, there's no game chance where you force an amazing save from the goalkeeper and you think, oh, we should be winning this game. It was just mm. the same again. It was very drab. We were lots of possession, but just very, very toothless, uh, I suppose. And when it, you know, when it came to the Livingston goal, I don't know if they even deserved it, but it certainly didn't take me by surprise at all. Yeah. Uh, it was just sort of typical that it came a few months a few minutes, sorry, after an atrocious refereeing decision. Um, who, I mean, that just summed up Grant Irvin's game as well. I said at halftime, I don't know what has been worse, the football or the refereeing, and <laughs> that's really saying something about the refereeing because the football was absolutely awful. Yeah, God. I think it. I think it says something when an unknown referee. Um, manages to make themselves very much known with some shocking decisions which seem to be filling my timeline um, when I hungoverly was scrolling through on, on Sunday morning and I suppose, well, well Grant Irvin um, has actually been demoted to League One, It's uh, I think it's Clyde he's got this weekend Clyde V Dunbarton, I think um, regular viewer Shelty Don tweeted out um, so he, I guess if you want to call it punishment um his punishment is refereeing 
um, a couple of leagues down. But I think, as Shelty said, it's probably more punishment to those going to watch that game now, oh. having to see it being officiated by Grant Irvin. But, you know, I guess, Callum, for those that were at the game, it would have just been a bit of, you know, astonishment really that it was Vicente Bazawan that got a yellow card out of that decision. I mean, I'm sure you were totally bewildered. Absolutely. <laughs> well, certainly it was, I was going to say about Grant Irvin, maybe that's more his level, uh, but I think even that's been generous to him after, after the weekend. Uh, it, it was, it was just insane. And then the, the, the amount of times I've watched it back and I just can't believe it. You think, you know, maybe he would have been unsighted, but there's great footage of him. The fact <laughs> he's about 10 yards away. There's nobody standing in his way. This His linesman is on that side as well. So yeah. it's not even that, that you can't you can't say that there, there should have been even someone else looking at it. But street check, it's not, I thought originally maybe he sort of was going to try and get it out quickly, which I suppose he was doing, hence Basalan was in the way. But I thought he went like that, like with the ball and mm. had got, had like, Try and bike, try to push him out of the way with the ball in his hand. But you see, the ball is still in contact with one of his hands, and the other one has left it and gone beyond it. And I don't know if it, uh, his fist probably wasn't clenched or anything like that, but it is like a little jab in the face. And Bissawin gets booked. And we'd been talking about the fact he maybe goes down too easily or whatever. Who could blame him about that? And then he gets booked. The referee was looking straight at it. It was honestly, it was just bewildering. I think that's the best word I can use to describe it, but. Even out with that decision, throughout the game, he was just atrocious and just so unbelievably incompetent. Atrocious for both teams or? I think in general, he was Mm. just very, very bad. And there's also just a lack of consistency. There was another challenge uh, where a Livingston player went in two-footed and the night before, you'd seen John beating Bukash Taylor for that. This time, it was just... A throw-in, there was nothing at all given at all. Um, and then also, I suppose, with McCrory's booking, you could maybe argue that that might have been a red in the first place. It was yeah. a bit sort of over-the-top and excessive, and studs were maybe showing. He was, he was just absolutely appalling, and I didn't know who it was at the time, and that sort of tells you exactly. Uh, well, you certainly know who it is now, though. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, the, the Ross McCrory first yellow... I mean, watching on on the highlights, you could certainly argue um, in another game, another referee could have viewed that as a straight red card given the ways um, studs made the connection. But we'll just stick with the Bazawan incident for just now. And, you know, I tweeted out on on Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night by the time I actually tweeted it, but uh, certainly the early hours anyway, I wondered if his reputation maybe preceded him in terms of the referee's mindset however as the replies quickly flooded in and in, in total agreement you know I wasn't blaming Vicente in in any way for the incident do you think though kind of some of the incidents that had been highlighted around him previously maybe did influence the referee because the more I watched it the more I couldn't believe that he was on the receiving end of a booking there was like one instance where I thought Maybe Max Strichek was gonna was trying to go for a quick throw, and he, you know, as you said, like it looked like he'd fumbled the ball in his hand was was past it, you know, leading to that sort of jab that that you said. That was my only 
thought that the referee might have, but the more you watch the incident, the more unbelievable it, it becomes. So, I mean, I've never seen a goalkeeper bowl the ball out like that, if that's what Grant Evan was thinking. I've never seen anyone <laughs> yeah. even attempt that. Um, I, I don't know, maybe it is playing in his mind going into that game. but Not that it should, obviously. It's, it's, yeah. With that excuse, yeah, with yeah, with that game, you can't use that as an excuse whatsoever. And I know you weren't suggesting that it's his fault in any way, shape, or mm. form at all. But I think maybe going into games, people will have that sort of premeditated conception of him now, just from some of his antics you've seen. I think that's that is a problem. That maybe is, you know, some blame does lie with Vicente. But on this one, goodness me, I mean, <laughs> it was just absolutely an abysmal decision. I can't believe. I can't believe Grant Irvin's getting paid to referee football games, let alone ones in the Premiership. Yeah, well, he won't be this weekend, as I said. Um, so what was the kind of gen- general feel? Was there any booing at, at halftime to us going in 1-0 down, or was it more, do you think if there was, that was more aimed towards the referee? Yes, there was, there was some booing. Um, I think it was massively a combination of both. When the halftime whistle went, from my memory... I was completely sober, by the way. I just, the, the game was so not memorable. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was just sort of a few moans and groans when that halftime whistle went. And then I sort of, I walked off to go to the toilet. And um, and then there was a later boo that came, which I presume was then for uh, the referee and his, his uh, fellow officials. Um, mm-hmm. And who's surprised? But I think at halftime, it was more just sort of moans and groans because... It was sort of like, oh, well, here we go again type of thing. Yeah. Um, things, I guess, didn't get better for us in the second half. We found ourselves going 2-0 down when Livingston were awarded a penalty that Jason Holt, I have to say, converted it superbly. What a penalty, by the way. Um, thoughts on the award of the penalty? Because watching on the highlights, for me, it looks soft. Uh, originally, I thought, Oh, God, I think that's a stonewall. And I couldn't believe people were complaining about it at all. But having watched it back, it is very, very soft. And there isn't much contact, certainly not enough, in my opinion, Mm. for, uh, I think it was Shinny to go down like that. Um, But also, at the same time, there's still the concern that it was so easy for the ball to get played in behind Mm -hmm. uh, for him there. And I think that sort of shows sort of awkwardness Ojo sometimes has as much as you know he'll put in a decent shift and he'll try his damned at best that in sort of any position it was just I think that was him getting caught out a little bit but I'm not taking anything away it was a great ball in behind for Livingston I just think it, it was it was very very soft but at the same time other end we're probably claiming for it and that's just sort of the way football fans are I suppose yeah uh, absolutely and I suppose they exploited our defence brilliantly with that through ball but they also exploited Ojo in the first half in the in the build up to their first goal what was your thoughts around that first goal because um, you know I saw Red Point of View tweet out I think it was them that, that tweeted out saying how Ojo you know the first rules you know you show the 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 winger the whoever's the attacking player you show them to the byline make it difficult for them to get that ball into the box Ojo doesn't do that Ojo gives them the option to kind of cut inside um which the the Livingston attacker does but as well I think you know Joe Lewis makes a really good save initially mm-hmm. but as I said watching the highlights I, I was like I thought he was just 
you know, really slow to react. It's like he was just lying down and it, it was an easy finish for Nicky Devlin. I thought he could have, you know, sprung back up. I don't know, that was just my, my personal take of it, watching what, as I said, you know, being able to watch the highlights. I thought Joe Lewis could have maybe done better and it's it's a fairly easy finish for, for Nicky Devlin. It's, you know, I think he takes it a bit on the volley, but... Yeah, again, I suppose that goal just typifies Aberdeen's season so so far in terms of the way we've been conceding. Totally Certainly. avoidable. And, and, you, and in fact, it came just so shortly after another big incident in the game as well. Uh, I, I do sort of agree with the Funso Ojo thing. I think that's his sort of unfamiliarity at right back sort of being exposed there. Um, I and as much as maybe Jolis could react better, there's also two, three Aberdeen defenders in there that could mm. have reacted better. Devlin sort of just marauds in there. Nobody <laughs> really picks him up. And then he shows the desire once once Lewis makes that first save to get to that ball whilst beating two Aberdeen players to it who are closer to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I suppose credit has to go to him, but at the same time, that's just the type of goal we've been conceding all day long. There was no desire to you know get that second ball, get it cleared, um, it's just frustrating and also actually I've just, just remembered let's not forget Lewis also did make an excellent save from David Bates uh, prior to that yeah. as well <laughs> uh, maybe the best chance of the game to be honest took it took it square in the, in the face um, Lee Seymour a regular contributor uh, in the comments and on our Twitter account um, asks how much do we feel this poor season is bad luck you know we, we reference the Senate Bizarre incident you know says awful officiating or a serious lack of team spirit I suppose when you look at the awful officiating you, you take into mm-hmm. account the decision at Ibrox uh, the, the penalty that we had the penalty that we didn't get at Tawdry, the defeat that we had at Easter Road when Christian Ramirez and Ryan Porteous were involved and Ryan Porteous got his retrospective two game pan Max Strichek also getting that might actually work against Aberdeen given that he's now going to miss their game against St Johnston. You know, can we use the first two as an excuse or as as Lee says, is it all on the squad? No bottle in his opinion. Is there bottle in this in this team? I, I, I agree with Lee. As much as, you know, at times we maybe have not had our share of luck and there has been big decisions go against us and often in big games as well. I'm sure over the course of the season, most teams will probably have four or five things where you think, well, if that had gone our way, maybe the game would have been different. Uh, so those kind of things, as much as hmm, they probably do just about balance out, and I'm not sure we can use an excuse at the same time, we should have had enough about us to sort of overcome those bits of adversity as much as it is, is a bit more difficult. I do agree that the squad have just been too, it's been, been lacklustre and at times just the effort and desire have been questioned and that's not even before we even get on to some of the quality. Signs uh, yeah. have just been so laboured, the chances we've been creating not been good enough and then just giving away so many cheap goals every week essentially mm-hmm. for me yeah, it does more come down to the squad and just there is some decent players in there but it just seems like the, the the balance is not there at all yeah and the thing is we're also not learning week in week out defensively <laughs> we're making the same mistakes and you know for those that again on twitter might have seen the article that michael grant did in the times it, it you know teams are happy to let us 
you know, he speaks about how teams are happy to let us keep the ball because they know that despite us having one of the best possession stats in the league, we do absolutely nothing with the ball and we're very likely to give up a goal at the other end cheaply with a, a team's first attack. You know, and if you haven't read that article, um, I advise you to because it really hits the nail on the head in, in ter- terms of summarising our season um, and kind of drawing scary parallels to that of the Hibernian 2013-14 season um, when they had Pat Fenlon in charge, sacked him, brought in Terry Butcher, who then told half the squad they weren't good enough, got and um, told them they won't be staying. Uh, and they ended up, to quote you, Callum, um, said, we're sleepwalking our way into relegation, uh, which is what you messaged me um, at full time on, on Saturday. And it kind of has a scary sense of inevitability about it all uh, as we kind of gear up to what really feels like a must-win game against Dundee this weekend at Pataudry. It's mental. And you, you know what the most worrying part is? You, you might look at the league table and think, oh, they're bottom of the league. Should be fine. In fact, they've got Mark McGee in charge. That's another you know reason to be confident. But at the same time, so far this season against Dundee, things have not gone our way at all. It's um, nothing is a given, is what I've learned. And it's maybe taken me a little bit too long this season um, to come to that conclusion. But it is very, very worrying. uh, And I think we are sort of sleepwalking our way, maybe not towards relegation, but we're getting closer and closer. And if we do end up in that playoffs, I think it would take some sort of disaster for us not to, you know, get maybe... A one win, maybe four points sort of between now and then mm. season, that would probably be enough. But if we don't get that and we do end up in that playoff spot, are you telling me you've got the faith in this squad uh, that we've got right now to go on and win must-win games? We've not yeah, done it. That, that's my biggest fear right now. If we fail to take three points on Saturdays, we then go into two away games. Um, and it's not exactly like we've got a good record away from home. Um, this season so uh, especially when the, the second of which is is against St Johnson that that really is a, a big concern for me um, I suppose uh, Titch McGraw who um, commenting he's um, only recently started watching this show a few months ago so I'm glad to see you're enjoying it and, and sticking around you know he says he's got a real fear of us going down for the first time properly um, of course with the old uh, Brockville Falkirk situation that, that saved us previously I, I think there is fear, doubt creeping in, but obviously I think we can maybe look into that more um, after after Saturday because who knows if a win at this weekend um, could alleviate any fears we've got, but the, pro- the worst part is it's there and I guess it's creeping into the crowd because I mean, I couldn't believe what I was reading um, at, at at full time when I was going through the, the timeline is that folk were actually singing to the championship, we're on our way. I mean, you you know, you see the club calling on the support is needed from fans, but fans aren't really backing the, the players when needed. They're just almost taking the piss out of the situation. As much as it's not helpful, at the same time, I'm not going to pile on and say how ridiculous I've seen some people have been saying it was. I, they've not given us anything to sing about this season, have they? And when they have had good support, it's been often sort of, well, thrown in our faces. And even when we do get big crowds going places, the atmosphere's not been great. And 
okay, as much as maybe things would be better with a better atmosphere, that's, they need to, on the other side of the coin, give us something to sing about at times, get things going. And even if it's not perform uh, results, some decent performances, flying at tackles, showing that desire. We've not seen it enough this season. If we're going to make if some light of situation, I guess, then fair enough. But I, I do see both sides in that. It's not helping, but you can't really blame them too much because it's been utterly miserable. This I mean, especially as well, though, you see the attendance was pretty damning, right. I think, at the weekend. Just, I'm surprised just over 12,000. 12, yeah. I'm surprised. Um, and it's uh, worrying to think what the attendance may be this weekend. And, you know, that's what I'm saying when, you know, you've already got elements of the crowd turning during the game by singing these songs. Uh, obviously, then venting frustration at the end of the game, which, you know, everyone that, that pays their money to do so. Um, is is entitled to do it, it just paints this very toxic picture down down Pataudry way and um, I think you know Dundee will almost be rubbing their hands that this game is at, at Pataudry you know Charlie Adam again you know we're going to come on to the game you know he'll be probably relishing playing in the atmosphere that awaits him you know they've got nothing to lose you know We've got everything to lose. It's uh, yeah, this could be another depressing episode coming to you next next week. And uh, is do you know if Ross McCrory will be available for this weekend? I mean, I don't know why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, good point. Don't know why you're asking me. Uh, I can't imagine he will be. I assume it'll be going straight in since there's no appeal. I presume it'll just carry on. Well, you can't uh, you can't appeal two yellow yeah. cards anyway. But um, this shows how how underprepared this live was that we haven't even researched that, folks. True. But, but um, I mean, again, that's going to be a big miss, of course. Ross McCrory, yeah. who won the Red Tinted Glasses Player of the Year. Of course, it's the actual official Player of the Year awards dinner tomorrow night at, at Teco. So interesting to see who wins that. Um, again, as Michael Grant said, you could have held our end of season awards at Christmas because that's really when our um, season did end. What if we get at the Teca, we get a Chris Rock, Will Smith thing? If Christian Ramirez wins it, that would be unbelievable. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure the club are fuming at his react that the fact he's even bitten to the tweet. Um, but we'll, we'll come to that in a second. On Ross McCrory, what was your um, thoughts around that red card? No complaints over the two bookings? Uh, no, not at all. Um, in terms of actually when it happened at the time, had already left, made it home bef- uh, to my pal's house to sit in the garden in the sun before full-time had even uh, occurred. But I have watched it back. And in terms of the first one, maybe lucky on another day, he might yeah. uh, he maybe would have ended up with a straight red. Don't think there's any complaints about that booking. In terms of the second one, it's clumsy. Um, it's a tired challenge. I, I, you can't have too many complaints, and especially given how freely Grant Irvin started booking our players throughout the game. Um, I guess also when you're on a yellow as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's one of the ones he actually got right, um, to be fair. And it's just annoying that we, we'll miss him against Dundee. Um, it'll be interesting to see what we do in that midfield. Will Ojo maybe go back in there? And then Ramsey at right back. Who knows? Yeah, Those wasn't not because Charlie Adam will boss it regardless, won't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I kind of totally agree with with your sentiment 
around that that red card. Um, I thought on and like I already said on another day, Ross McCrory might have actually seen red for his first challenge. Um, the way that the studs were showing, and I, I almost felt that Grant Irvin could have pl- played on in the second booking, but probably thinks, oh, actually, I've got an opportunity to make another name for myself um, and takes out the second yellow and, and sends Ross McCorey off. And it just leaves us in a bit of bother in terms of players and, you know, we're now forced into another tactical change. Um, ahead of the weekend, we did... <laughs> Funny, the, one of the boys in the taxi on the way to the hotel said, oh, Aberdeen have given themselves a, a lifeline, you know, that old football cliche when Lewis Ferguson bagged a penalty in stoppage time. Um, and to be honest, I didn't see much in this one either. I thought very soft as well. Um, there is, you know, some contact. And when there's contact, Lewis Ferguson's obviously going to go down. And... Um, no, no, it's not really too controversial because we're never going to get back into and win the game. Um, but soft for me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we'll take I'm it sure. out to go a little bit, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every cloud, I suppose. And I'm sure Charlie Adam um, is looking at that, screaming, it's a man's game. Although, Charlie, maybe you need to look at yourself after that shocking dive against St. Johnston. That was mental and uh, <laughs> comical, though. I did, I did quite enjoy it. Yeah, he's. Do you think he knows? Do you think he's self-aware and he knows like how ironic these things are? Uh, I don't think Charlie Adam and self-awareness go hand in hand. But speaking of comical, I suppose that leads us on to tonight. No, not this episode of Red Tinted Glasses. It is Christian Ramirez reacting to a fan who posted a screenshot from his wife's Instagram story where his wife said it was extremely hard living in another country and people have been saying that she's almost comparing Aberdeen to, you know, these places that aren't exactly, you know, seen as nice nice to live in. And Christian Ramirez saying, you know, well, he replied asking if he could help the person that tweeted the account um, and then proceeded to say that, Yes, results haven't been great. We know it's not been what the fans wanted, but that doesn't deserve people having a go at his wife and to leave his family out of it. <laughs> um, a sorry mess that the club probably would have not wanted in terms of a not yet another off-field distraction for the press to, uh, you know, certainly the media team at Pataudry to deal with. What's your take on the the whole thing, Callum? He'd gone a little bit there, hasn't it, from Christian? I, I can understand, you know, maybe. Well, I can know. I can understand sort of sticking up for his family or whatever. But the person who actually tweeted it didn't say it that much wrong in comparison to what, what some other people were saying. Um, I, I did take it as sort of okay. Well, that's him leaving then, considering he said she said living in another country was hard, which suggests they're no longer living in another country. I don't plan on it. Um, but I, I, it's sort of it's pathetic. Our, our club's a little bit of a laughing stock right now, and that just sort of adds to it. The heat's gone from Christian Ramirez a little bit there. I suppose as well, though, for him, it must be difficult sitting here away from his family, his children, having nobody else around him, and 
you know, he's just scrolling through and it probably pops up on his timeline. He's seen the, the, the comments and reaction, I suppose. Well, you know, in, in keeping with the, the title of the episode, it's almost a Will Smith type reaction from the American. It is a little bit, um, it's just, it's a little bit funny, but a little bit just like, oh God, we are going to, it's another, you know, reason for humiliation for Aberdeen Football Club this season as if we needed any more, basically. It's another um, highlight reel for the um, cinch memory bank, that, that, that's for oh. sure. And as I said, it's just another kind of off-field distraction that I'm sure Jim Goodwin won't be welcoming when it comes to press conference um, tomorrow. Um, certainly, even then, more so when we've got the Player of the Year dinner tomorrow night where you're going to have fans as well as corporate clients there who will be drinking and well-oiled Mm. Oh, it's going to be a recipe for disaster um, I look forward to hearing how that goes I'm actually almost disappointed that Chris sold the the, the table that we had because um, that would have been it would have been a fun night but there was some positive news off the field uh, announced today and I think this is why it's going to be one of those days tomorrow for the AFC media team because Calvin Ramsey won the Scottish Writers Young Player of the Year award for, for this season you know, we have been, I guess, critical of Calvin defensively on this show at times this season. But I think Callum up against Josh Doig and Nathan Patterson, a fully deserving winner of the award. Clearly the greatest uh, young Scottish fullback we have uh, about the place. Um, I don't know if it says more about sort of Calvin Ramsey or the rest of the uh, competition that he's had. As much as I'm delighted he has won it recently his form hasn't been great but at the same time on the flip side we have seen exactly what he is capable of um, in terms of the club I suppose it's oh, he won this award as well add another uh, you know, quarter of a million on the price tag or whatever but I'm sure he, he'll enjoy it hopefully we can he can use that as a bit of a confidence boost because God knows the confidence in the Aberdeen camp right now must be pretty low so congratulations and also up for the PFA Young Players of the Year award as well as Connor Barron uh, too, who I maybe argue might be a more deserving winner, but who knows? Yeah, um, both of them, congratulations on the nominations up against, uh, is it Leela Bada and Josh Doig again? And that award, of course, is voted for by the players um, in in Scottish football. So great recognition by their um fellow players and it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top as well obviously Connor Barron possibly not just being recognised for his performances yeah. with Aberdeen but also his early season form at Kelty Hearts must have caught the eye of some players obviously we've not exactly been privy to how well he was performing but if he keeps performing the way he does at Aberdeen I'm sure he'll go on to bigger and better things but hopefully we still get to enjoy him for a, a decent amount of time and sporting what looks uh, in the article that was posted by the club tonight, new training gear, which looks very, very good, actually. Oh, it does look smashing. Um, it, lo- it looks very good. Might, might even uh, purchase it. I'm tempted. I am tempted. Um, it, it looks very great. I, I don't have too much else. To I quite enjoy the, the use of just the goalpost. Um, and I've seen some people mm. saying maybe that should be our, you know, our use for uh, our badge sort of for kits and things uh, full time, which is, you know, is an interesting one. 
Yeah, uh, we'll make sure the two stars are kept in Graham Hunter because I know you want to make sure that recognition is there for the the two badges. Um, on the Christian Ramirez thing, Scozer is in the comments saying Christian's 100% right to back his family. His wife clearly prefers California to tropic to tropical Aberdeen. It has actually been tropical today. Um, why is that even an issue? I suppose I think the issue kind of comes around the fact that if he is leaving, I th- I'm, I'm assuming this is what people are getting wound up as, um, why does he not just come out and say that he'll be going at the end of the season? But then, you know, I don't know. I then guess there'll probably be backlash to be like, we're in a relegation battle. Why did he come out and said that at the same time? Exactly. There's there's no winners, unfortunately, in this situation. Um, we just look silly, um, as we've been doing yeah. all season. Um, I guess another point of order before we move uh, on to the Dundee game is, of course, the news around Don's fan and radio broadcasting legend Richard Gordon, who is hanging up the mic at the end of the season after 30 years with the BBC. Um, an iconic voice, but... Callum, of course, you'll be able to hear his voice on Red Tinted Glasses in the summer. Exactly. Yes, we have recorded with Richard Gordon and there is plans also for another piece with him. Uh, feels quite the honest considering he's, you know, he's hanging up his microphone, if you'd like, uh, in terms of with the BBC. Feels quite an honour now even more so that we were able to uh, record them and he gave up his precious time too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it uh, was very good of him to give up that hour to record an episode, which I'm really looking forward to actually putting out. It was um, good to see him kind of in a different nature um, yeah. that we had, you know, as, you know, it's kind of just a voice from maybe people's childhoods, the voice that you listen to going home after matches to hear the scores. Just, yeah, a, a, an icon in terms of... Um, you know, football broadcasting in this country. And I liked um, the the comment that um, regular listener to this show, Emma Robb, made um, that um, hopefully the football club, obviously he'll be compare at the Player of the Year Awards tomorrow. Hopefully the club are going to be quick to act. Um, maybe a wee red TV gig for Richard Gordon certainly wouldn't go amiss. Um, yeah. Maybe it depends what league we're in, but I'm sure Richard <laughs> didn't care either way. <laughs> Very true. I'm sure he won't be bothered, but uh, yeah, we, we, we uh, might need the funds um, to improve our, our, our playing squad. Um, after Jim Goodwin said, um, four or five good players. What did you make of those comments? I suppose we could talk about that as well. Yeah, um, I, I saw the kind of reaction to to that comment that he made. Must have is that in his post match comments he made when he admitted that we were in a relegation battle? I guess if he's meaning four or five good players, he's meaning four or five players that he actually views as starters. Yeah, um, to the squad, not squad fillers, because I saw I think it was Free N McCauley that tweeted saying it should maybe be more six or seven players we're looking At to bring least. in. Um, yeah, at least. And I guess if you're bringing in four or five, that's quality players. And again, you know, referring back to that that article that Michael Grant did in the Times, Aberdeen's recruitment has exactly been great over the, the last few seasons. Mm. We've now put ourselves in a position where we have to get it right this season, but we have to get each signing correct. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough ask to get four or five good players in 
and hopefully all of them are fit and actually be able to influence the squad. You know, you, you saw, you know, Declan Gallagher coming in this season and he got hamstring injury. And we, you know, arguably we haven't seen the best of Declan Gallagher this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ryan Hedges as well, he had an injury and we saw how that affected our our team um, in parts of the season, maybe even selling him in January is going to come back to, to haunt him that that £250,000 that we got for Ryan Hedges, would we have benefited more by keeping him? But I think we're definitely going to need more than four or five, mm-hmm. as Titch McGraw says as well. I totally agree on that. But if it's four or five quality starters, plus an extra four or five, then I guess. But you're you're almost feeling like we're going to need a whole new squad because... To, mm. to go back to that interview that, that Dave Cormack said, um, where the two things that keep him awake at night is the £75 million for funding a new stadium, but also our current form. Well, to, to fund a new stadium, we're going to have to start selling players. And then you're looking at Lewis Ferguson and Calvin Ramsey. That's two starters. Probably mm. need a new goalkeeper. That's a current starter just now. And then you've got the obviously this whole talk around Christian Ramirez, another starter. I know he didn't start this weekend before someone pipes up and says it, but that that's that's four players right there. I know also mm-hmm. Calvin Ramsey didn't start as well before someone tries to correct me on that. <laughs> but you you just take those four players out and you've that's your four that you're replacing with. And mm-hmm. how much are you totally improving the squad by just replacing those four players? Probably not very. Well, there you go. So to to say we need four or four or five good players, well, that's all well and good, but are those players going to be better than what's going out? Well, some well, may say yes, given where we are, but true. But it's just yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, a, it's a, a lot to think. Of. Maybe the comments were you know taken slightly out of context, but certainly when you look. With the amount of players that have already left, the the players that are confirmed as leaving, well, a player probably confirmed as leaving, Andy Constantine, the players that are you know expected or rumoured to leave, mm-hmm. um, certainly we would need a lot, probably double um, the the four or the five he's mentioning. Uh, maybe that's just allowing for four or five good ones, and there's going to be four or five duds, which is probably to be expected, also. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose again, it depends on budgetary allowances depending where we finish um, the season and where we finish the season could have a massive impact on you know Saturday's result and as we look forward well that's definitely the wrong choice of word I'm not looking forward to Saturday's game at all um, as Dundee come to town in a must-win game we are desperate to see some fighting spirit and as Emma Thompson says I'm not sure I can see where the fighting spirit to keep us up is going from. Surely we would have seen it by now. And you know, that's a really good point. We haven't seen any fighting spirit and there's no time like Saturday to start showing it. There is no time like Saturday, but I 100% agree. I can't see where it's coming from. And I probably don't expect it to start on Saturday because there should have been times throughout the season other than, well, you know, those three games... Uh, Hearts, Rangers, and Hibs. I mean, we've we've not really shown that at all, and I certainly don't expect it to start this weekend, which does not 
make for a good viewing, in my opinion. Um, just thankful I, I won't actually be there. I won't be in the country. So, you know, uh, you, you got away with it this weekend. I'm getting away with it this weekend. And thank goodness for that. Yeah, uh, we're taking it in turns to miss um, performances and, and actually get back on our travels, enjoy foreign countries and enjoy, enjoy, ourselves, at all. Yeah, enjoy ourselves more than being at Pataudry because it hasn't exactly been enjoyable in recent weeks. We, we mentioned Charlie Adam. Um, what sort of reception do you think he can expect this weekend at Pataudry? Um, I somehow have a feeling there's going to be even less people at the game. Yeah. Uh, but from those who are there, um, won't be very happy with him. But at the same time, probably going to relish off that. Um, mm. It's probably going to be eerie at times if we don't start flying out the traps. And that type of thing, Dundee will thrive off. Um, Marvin Bartley mentioned in the post-match who... But let's also mention, Livingston didn't even have Marvin Bartley in the dugout, never mind David Martindale, um, and they still <laughs> managed to come away with the victory. Uh, Marvin Bartley said, you know, that was sort of maybe in the plan coming up here. To, you can get the crowds turned against them. Um, I'm sure Dundee will probably have that sort of same same idea. Um, and we'll, we'll just have to hope they don't make a fast start as they did when they came up yeah. Um, on on Boxing Day, um, in in that game when when Lee Griffiths scored that thunderbolt of, of a of a free kick, because you know as toxic as a situation it is at Pataudry, there'd be nothing worse than us conceding in the first five ten minutes. And yet, and yet, I'm not really surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if that did no. happen. We just leak so many goals, but we do need to keep it tight, and we do need to start well and make sure. You know, come the twenty-minute mark, the fans are still engaged. Because how many times a season have we seen that not be the case? And then that's when problems just increase even further. Um, they need to make sure they can fly out the traps and get the fans, who however many is there, uh, staying behind the team and not get the crowd to turn. Um, but I do agree with Scott Walker. It would be fantastic uh, to upset Mark McGeehan, the almost you know almost officially. Uh, could buy them to sort of relegation <laughs> that would be or, excellent but if they or, win and they stay up then there's also the fact you might get to see Mark McGee naked which will be funny so yeah I'm, really, just glad really that they, I'm just glad they didn't win at the weekend so that we haven't had to spend the week um seeing Mark McGee naked and hopefully doesn't make as many ludicrous per promises um, in the build-up to this week's match but yeah it's too good an opportunity to post uh, to pass up but I don't have faith in this quad that we will um, take up that opportunity, which I think is just a sorry indictment of where we are. But in recent weeks, not only have Aberdeen been conceding cheap goals, Dundee um, have been conceding cheap goals. Lawler in goals for Dundee has been a source of comedic value at times when you look at the way he covered himself for the first goal, I think it was, in the derby against Dungeon United, and then not exactly convincing for the equaliser that St Johnston grabbed, um, coming out and flapping more than Jamie Langfield. Um, is that an opportunity, Callum, for us to take advantage? I was going to say be clinical, but us and be <laughs> clinical hasn't exactly fallen hand in hand this season. Um, maybe it's... Uh, an opportunity that we should take to, well not even an opportunity, but we should just attempt to hit the target as much as possible <laughs> and just hope that that one of them goes in, just fire those shots at goal, get those pot shots off, shoot on sight and uh, hope that 
things will will go our way. You know, we saw uh, the aforementioned Strichek. Uh, we saw him throw one into his goal um, mm-hmm. earlier and see throw two into his goal. I suppose. Uh, let's hope um, the Dundee goalkeeper will do the same as we can because we need as much help as we can get and uh, something comedic as well, just to lift our spirits. I think we do need it. That'd be good if we could do that for the cause. And I, I suppose, you know, we referenced um, the, the the comment that, that Titch made earlier um, about fears of, of relegation and how much fear will set in if Aberdeen don't pick up the, the three points this weekend. Um, you know, it's Samirin against St. Johnston as well. Mm-hmm. Um, both obviously, you know, five points clear us in St. Mirren of St. Johnston currently. Will there almost be a lot of us with one eye on the outcome of that game as well? Certainly. I mean, if uh, St. Johnston go and win and we don't, I will be terrified at that <laughs> point. I will be absolutely cacking my kecks. I will try not let it ruin my holiday. Um, however, I make no promises, uh, Caitlin, if you're tuning in, that that will not be the case. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a concern and that would be it would be typical of us, of the way this season has gone, but just further evidence of us just slowly meandering down towards that relegation playoff spot, sort of without any sense of urgency to prevent that such that such a thing happening yeah i remember saying at full time on saturday thank god st johnson didn't win and there was a couple of celtic fans on the stag do and they said what a sorry sight that aberdeen fans are glad st johnson haven't beaten aberdeen that just sums up where you are and how your season's been and I think at that point you realise just how far we've fallen in a season. Yeah, thanks guys. Really, really appreciate it. I'm sure you thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, yeah. But it's it's sad, but it's true. And that makes it even worse. Yeah, it is. And it was like, it, almost in a way, the fact that Hibs won, kept St Mirren there as well. Because that game finished in a draw, then, you know, you're, you're behind St Mirren as well so the fact we're now wishing other results to try and help our cause as well is kind of really shows where we are and um, as we did in the last episode Callum what is your thoughts and hopes for the team lineup this weekend do you think Christian Ramirez is restored to the starting 11 and more importantly I guess we want to be seeing Calvin Ramsey starting this weekend Certainly. Uh, I did mention perhaps when we say Ojo going to the midfield. I think that's maybe a more likely thing to happen then with Ramsey coming in at right back. However, McCrory out, Ramirez and Barron. Ramsey also comes in at right back uh, as well, uh, ideally. And then you've got the flat four, the midfield four, and Ramirez up top with Marley Watkins. That would be my ideal scenario. Uh, can't see it happening though. Go for the game. We're at home. Dundee are terrible. Just let's please try and make some chances and bloody take them. The, the ideal scenario would have been that your Wi-Fi didn't really cut out halfway through your analysis of that 
team lineup and everyone got to hear that. fully what you said. But hopefully those of you tuning in have got to hear briefly what, what Callum hoped for. Um, but I think you're, you're right, Callum. We do have to go for this game. We are at home. You know, Dundee, as I said, they've got nothing to lose. Um, realistically, probably know their best hope or certainly best hope of finishing as high up as possible is 11th um, this season. Um, so in terms of nothing to lose, they only know it's the difference between automatic relegation and a, a playoff spot. But I think we've got a lot more at stake here. Um, and we really need to be positive. I think if we only start one striker, that's it's negative, especially at home. Uh, you you want your best players. Calvin Ramsey obviously scored last time out against Dundee as well. I'm sure we'll fancy his chances again if given the opportunity. And you've got to get the players that can best influence a game. As you, as I said, we've been critical of Calvin defensively on this show before, but we know how good he is going forward. His delivery at times can be very good, and if the Dundee keeper is struggling at dealing with balls into the box. Again, you want players that can deliver quality into that box mm-hmm. because we might not have, have the quality at the end of the ball, but if the Dundee keeper wants to help us on our way to providing that quality, then I'm all here for it. Certainly, hoy the ball in the box as much as possible and hope that we are afforded an opportunity that even we can't miss. That, I think, is my hopes. <sighs> God, what a sorry state we found ourselves in. It's great. It's really fun. Well, let's hope that come 5pm on Saturday, we are not staring down the barrel. There are some signs of survival staying about because next week we'll be joined by Hibernian fan returning to the show. I'm sure many of you are looking forward to his appearance for the first time in a few episodes is Michael Monin, um, making sure I pronounce the name correctly before he quickly messages. Um, of course, because Calum, you'll be enjoying yourself over in Budapest. So Michael will join me to look ahead. I say look ahead to the game against Hibs at Easter Road next weekend. I'll be looking back at the weekend's performance against Dundee here is hoping there's something a bit more positive to speak about on next week's show. Certainly, let's hope so. So make sure you are subscribed to tune in uh, to that episode if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to the audio version afterwards, follow us wherever you are tuning in to that on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast so you don't miss out on anything at all. I'm sure regardless of the football, that episode will be an enjoyable one. Hib's not had a great season either, so I'm sure Michael will have his many complaints too that you don't want to miss. However, if you do want to tune into a good, even if fictional, Aberdeen <laughs> side, then make sure to head over to my personal YouTube channel where I am managing Aberdeen on Football Manager 2022 using a old database with the squads from the 1992-93 season. They were good then. I'm enjoying the pretending it's real. Uh, So head over there if you fancy that. It might cheer you up a little bit. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thank you very much, Glenn. Uh, Well done on plugging your own episode. And as Titch says, fingers crossed for Saturday. I've got the toes crossed as well because we need all the luck we can get. Thank you all for tuning in. Till next time.